god, Sam, hurry up. I'm sitting in Blue Brew and waiting, waiting, waiting for Sam to get in the car. What is taking him so long? We don't have that much time. Ugh, why did I take a bath? I'm not relaxed anymore. I stare at the front door as if the burning power behind my eyes is able to pull him out of the house faster. <sighs> Seconds feel like minutes, which feels like he isn't moving fast enough. My impatience feels like a heartburn. A noxious gas is working its way up my stomach and tightening my throat. I look out in front of me at the still juniper bushes around our rented ranch house. It's a gorgeous Arizona day. Not a cloud is blemishing the expansive blue sky above me. It looks like the ocean upside down. I try to calm down, but my frustration continues to rise. I don't want to snap at Sam whenever he decides to get going. So I bury my head in a book. It's Simone de Beauvoir's travel diary of when she ventured across America in the 50s. And it was a Christmas present that Sam got me. In the cover, he wrote, Adrian, I can't wait to see the world through your eyes and words. Heart, Sam. I do love how much he says my name. There's something about it that makes me feel so seen and very cared for. God damn it, where the fuck is he? I find my page and finally hear the shuffling of Sam's feet. The keypad lock sings to confirm that it is closed. Fucking finally. Sam gets inside, and he can feel the heat in the car and knows it's not from the desert sun. He tilts his head to look towards me and silently clocks my mood. He and I have spent so much time together that we can tell if something is wrong with the other with a flick of an eyebrow. Then Sam backs out of the driveway and hits the russet red road. We drive in silence for five to ten minutes. Then he starts to click on some jazz. Would music be welcome? Just not that like dumb synth music right now. Okay, okay. How about a little sex on my phone? <laughs> sure. Talk about it. I'm mm. just say it. Safe space. I'm just feeling really frustrated because like I'm nervous that it's a two-hour ride to Bryce and we're losing an hour in Utah and I'm just nervous that we're not gonna have enough time to do everything that we wanna do. And like what if there's something that we have to do at like like we fucked up Zion, so like what if there's something and we'd like drive all the way out there and we've like totally wasted our time? Like, I'm just like, I'm sorry. My mind is just like racing and I wanted to read this book so I could just like take a little bit of distance, but it's still like, it's festering and I just need to get it out. I'm not upset at you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ugh, I get it out of my system. If I let my feelings fester for even a minute too long, they begin to metastasize and take over my body like an angry cancer. Sam is well aware of that. We have a pact 
to just get everything that we're feeling out of our system as quickly as possible because we never want to harbor any real resentment. Read some We're moving now. I'll get there as fast as I can. Actually, I have a different music idea. What? So Sam makes the next right move and puts on Nathaniel Raycliffe and the Night Sweats. It's been the soundtrack to our road trip, and we both belt our feelings out. We drive through the coral pink landscape covered with evergreens. It's the most striking color combination I've ever seen in real life. I can't take my eyes off of it, even as they begin to fill up with tears. God damn, this is so beautiful. I remind myself that above all things, just driving around is more than enough. Sam and I have driven so long and so far to be here. Actually, correction, Sam is the one who drove for so long and so far to be here. He had bought a stick shift Subaru back in October because he loves the feel of it for reasons that I don't fully understand. And I love that he loves that, but we have neglected to teach me how to drive stick, which means Sam is the one who drove us for days across the country. He says it wouldn't be a problem because he loves driving, but the fact that Sam drove us for four days across the country so I could satisfy some existential whim well, that's love right there. He never complained. And I got really good at feeding him snacks without him having to take his eyes off the road or motivating him like a boxing coach in our final hour of the drive. This was the first partnership I felt like I was really in it with someone. I eventually cooled off and our surroundings got suspiciously barren. Our two hour drive had been reduced down to five minutes but we couldn't see Bryce Canyon anywhere. We drive towards the parking lot, which fills up again with evergreens and begin to plan. Okay, I think that since we wanna make the most out of this, let's do Sunset Point to the Queen's Garden and then loop through Peekaboo and come back through Sunrise Point. That's about six miles in like three to four hours. When it comes to planning, Sam lets me drive, but I think you can tell he's a down for the ride kind of guy. We pull up to the parking lot shaded by giant fir trees. We get out of the car, lace up our hiking boots, and walk to the first point of entry. But before we even hit the starting point, we are welcomed by an expansive overlook point. We rush through the trees to get a closer look. We lean against a brick wall and are smacked with an embracing view of the canyon. The impetus of the perverse starts to kick in. That feeling that you want to just reach a little bit closer to the edge just to flirt with death. I'm glad that there was a wall there. Welcome to Bryce Canyon. As we looked out, we saw dozens of hoodoos cover this plateau for 200 miles. Hoodoos are not petrified aliens, although the shapes they take on are seemingly not of this world. They're totem pole rock pillars, sometimes reaching 150 feet. Thousands of years ago, long slabs of elevated rock were slowly worn away by ice, water, and wind. Day by day, they crumbled from a uniform slab to isolated totems. Bryce Canyon is the world's largest collection of these rare geological formations. Native Americans have a legend about the hoodoos. 
that there was a certain kind of people called legend people that would roam these parts and they could shapeshift into any kind of living being. But for unknown reasons, these legend people did something terrible, something so bad that a coyote turns them into stone. Today, their forms and sins are frozen in rock. And although Native Americans did live in this area for thousands of years, Bryce Canyon is still named after a white guy. Honestly, my brain was having a hard time registering what I was seeing. This massive basin just filled with terracotta towers. It is the coolest thing. As we begin our descent down, more and more people arrive. Honestly, after the year we had been having, more than three was enough. But it wasn't just couples going for a stroll or a solo traveler. It was families. Hordes of parents were trying to wrangle their children into a straight line and prevent them from leaning too far over the edge. I started to get hot again. Sam and I started our descent down on the long, narrow path where people were coming up and down and no one was paying attention to anyone other than themselves. And only about half of them were wearing masks. Oh my God, this is so much. My brain starts to spiral again. Oh my God, I'm so tired of people. Maybe I'm just not used to seeing so many. And I quickly descend in elevation and positivity. God, I am so cranky today. Why can't I just enjoy this? This place is amazing. I might not be here for a very, very, very long time. Oh my God, I'm totally ruining this trip. But the more people that were coming at me, the more frustrated I got. Were these paths made for gnomes? There's no way two people can hike at this at the same time. Oh my God, I hate my brain. Why am I being so negative right now? I heard myself become a 60-year-old hermit who's lived in the woods for three decades and is rumored to be a witch. Sam can sense my frustration. Maybe it's the way I'm walking or I'm audibly huffing that clues him in that I'm not having a good time. What's going on, Boo? I just, I'm, I don't know if it's like because I've been around people. I'm just feeling like, ah, uh, I don't know. I can't describe it. I'm just feeling really like tight in my body. I think I'm in my period. I don't want to blame it on that. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just cranky and I'm frustrated that everybody is just like, buzzing by I don't I feel like everyone's having to take photos it's just there's no space I just like want space to like stretch my arms out and there's just too many people here and I'm kind of freaking out let's take some space because I need to practice my dinosaur walks <laughs> what is that the sound of the dinosaur or of the person getting attacked by the dinosaur? You have no idea. Oh my God. Cower in fear in your Ford Explorer. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> Honestly, no one makes me laugh the way that he does. He is so damn quick and original. I know I'm biased, but the jokes that Sam comes up with light my day. I've been with plenty of people who make me laugh. Or maybe I'm the one that makes my partner laugh. But when you're in a relationship where you can both make each other laugh, God, that's the secret sauce. Again, Sam helps me shake out my feelings and I start to feel better as we finish the Queen's Garden. 
As we weave our way down, the hoodoos get taller and begin to look down at us. We walk amongst the dark green trees that also aspire to reach the height of the hoodoos. We finally make it to Peekaboo, which is supposed to be the most difficult part. A young group in their 30s walks down and one of them asks us, do you know where the parking lot is? At first, I was like, why is this person talking to me? My talking to strangers muscle has gotten weak. I respond, oh, you're very far from the parking lot. And he goes, we just finished Peekaboo. We've been hiking for three days. Oh my God, a joke from a stranger. That's so weird. And it's a good joke. Sam and I laugh and he goes, well, you're about two miles from the parking lot, which was a half truth. We didn't know that there was actually two ways back. One was only a half a mile away and the other one was a mile and a half away. We hope it didn't take them another day to make it back. Talking to strangers felt so foreign. I missed it, but I felt so clunky. So Sam and I started the hike up and around and over Peekaboo Trail. We snaked around this labyrinth where sometimes the sandstone rocks would wall us off from the world and at other moments would reveal a massive overlook of a hoodoo cluster. It was unearthly. We were either on Mars or the set for the newest space movie. You could hold up a salmon-colored paint sample on these thick slabs of rock and notice every subtle change in shade. The trail took our breath away in views and intensity. The scenery was beautiful enough to distract me from my thighs, which were burning. It felt like I was doing the hardest level on a Stairmaster. Snow was still packed on the ground, which made it slippery and precariously dangerous, as there were no guardrails to hold on to. But it was magical to walk amongst these giants. The path twisted around itself, and every turn was another vantage point, and it felt like a magic trick. I cannot believe that this exists, and that I get to be here with Sam. I don't think Monday Sam would believe what I'm doing right now. Oof, yeah, hon. As we pivoted around a serpentine strip, I thought about how I had woken up Monday morning. Our morning routine goes like this. At 7.45 a.m., my alarm goes off, and I swim through our king-size bed, sifting through the blankets like getting thick seaweed out of my way as I search for Sam's resting body. Once I find him... Then he zooms position on his back as I nestle into his left arm and I throw my left leg and arm over his body like I'm his sleep seatbelt. We slightly cuddle for nine minutes until my alarm goes off again. We kiss and taste the morning breath that only lovers come back for more. But this Sunday, Sam had been feeling feverish, so I mouthed if he was okay and he shook his head no. Something happened last night. What happened? I got up to use the bathroom, and when I got in the bathroom, I closed the door, and then uh, the room started spinning, what? and what? then I tried to steady myself, and I thought I had steadied myself, and then I walked across the bathroom to get to the sink, and when I was reaching for the faucet, I couldn't reach it, what? and then the next thing I knew, I heard a really loud sound. <gasps> And then I woke up and I was lying on the bathroom floor. What the fuck? What? And now my head really hurts. What? Yeah. 
and I didn't know whether I should go back to sleep. I still don't know if I should have gone to sleep. I don't know if I'm going to feel dizzy now when I wake, when I stand up. Uh-huh. I'm really scared. Oh, honey. I do remember you like, I think a, you turned a light on maybe around like two or three. I don't know how long I was in there. I think, oh, honey. I, f- I mean, like this is not an exact sign. I think you were in there for like, because I kind of remember feeling you coming back into bed and it felt like that was like 15 minutes. Were you on the okay. ground for I can't think about that. I can't think about that. I When I woke up, I thought I was back in bed. And then I opened my oh. eye, when I opened my eyes, I was like, why am I looking at the ceiling of the bathroom? And then I realized oh my God. My, the back of my head was on the lip of the shower. Oh, my God. And now it kind of hurts. Oh, my God. Let me feel it. Okay. Does that hurt? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, I feel a little, it's like a bump, but it, I don't, it's not like bleeding or anything. Like there's no blood or anything. What should I do? Should we go to the emergency room? What do we do? Yeah, I think we should call Lisa. Okay. And, uh, and you should do Teladoc and. A few hours later, we were on our way to the ER to get a CT scan just in case. I advocated for him at the doctor's office and filled in details that he had missed. Our relationship had morphed into something more than boyfriend and girlfriend. I felt like his teammate, and I had to help him. Fortunately, the scans came back fine, and he didn't have COVID. You're just dehydrated, the doctor said. The thought of Sam being seriously injured was more painful than hiking peekaboo. At one point, Sam and I stopped, gasping for breath, and looked out at a ton of hoodoos gathered together, standing side by side. They remind me of... Crap, what are those things called? It's in China. All those... Terracotta soldiers? What? How did you pull that so fast? Because Jake studied... Oh, yeah. Asian art history. You know that I don't remember names because I know that you're better at remembering names now. Like, I have a crippling dependency on you. That's another adventure I would like to have with Sam someday. If I was petrified next to Sam for eternity, I don't think it would be that bad. Traveling with Sam solidified our relationship in a way that quarantine couldn't, which is weird to say. It's because we saw each other for the first time in a truly new environment. I took care of him when he was sick, and he put up with me when I got cranky. And we love each other more now because of it. That's a real partner. Someone who loves you when you are at your worst, and then can bring out your best self. I think something you can't get when you're traveling alone is another pair of eyes. Another perspective. Traveling with someone does more than confirm your experience. It helps you go back in time. Sam can say the word hoodoo, and I know exactly what he's talking about. We both mentally return to that chilly March day in the slush with incredible views. And when you travel with someone, especially a partner, you add more layers to the relationship. I've done so much on my own and looked out at so many amazing places by myself. And I am very happy that I had the youthful confidence to do that on my own. But being able to hold Sam as we stare out at the jungle of coral sand structures 
and know that he is just as happy to be here with me as I am with him. It's ineffable. And if I'm being really honest, I think that when I was traveling alone, I was always looking for that other person to explore with. Someone who would take me by surprise. Someone who didn't shy away from the kinds of adventures I wanted to have. Someone to go further with and to bigger places. And as Sam and I suffered through our hike around the hoodoos and made each other laugh through the tension, I knew that I had found that person. We were able to make every experience bigger together. This conversation is Sam and I reflecting on our time traveling across America and rehashing how well we were as travel buddies. I'm Adrian Bain, and this is Strangers Abroad. Here we go. I started asking him by how he came up with this Fakakta idea in the first place. Well, I remember the moment of we had we had definitely agreed in theory that we were going to do this trip. Yeah. We were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we'd even gamed out, well, this is how we could do it. We knew like the general region of Arizona we wanted to go to. Yeah, because I wanted to do all the national parks. Mm-hmm. You had never done the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And you had figured out, well, it's 36 hours to get there. So we had figured out, okay, that's three 12-hour days. If we want to be as low touch as possible on the drive out there, we were like, I think we can do that, especially if we teach Adrian how to drive stick shift, which is what the new car was, which we never ended up doing, but that's fine. Um, so And we were like, oh, well, we could stop in Indianapolis. That could be cool. And we could stop in Tulsa. That would be cool. And then we could stop in, ooh, it would be great to go to Santa Fe. That would be fascinating. And Santa Fe is not as far, so it could break up the drive a little bit. And we were sort of like, are we really going to, are we actually going to do this? And then I thought, well, we could make hotel reservations at those stopping points because it doesn't cost anything to make a hotel reservation you can always cancel it so let's just make the reservations so that we have them and then i found the ranch house on airbnb Mm -hmm. and i was like oh no Mm -hmm. this is beautiful Mm -hmm. and then i showed you the pictures and you were like i want that (laughs) oh this is beautiful yeah and then i remember pushing the button on airbnb to actually book it and there was no cancellation i mean there was cancellation but it was like you had 48 hours to cancel it and it was like are we really gonna and it was the perfect location it was perfect because it was an hour from zion two hours from bryce and an hour and a half from grand canyon north entrance which we found out is closed until may so march was not optimal but there was like a ton of other hikes and stuff in the area so once we pushed that button, it, obviously it was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Yep. And I remember telling my mom and she was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> God damn it. I wish I was going. And because that's had, kind of what everybody said. I know everybody was a little because everybody had been like very cooped up. And my mom literally said, you're living my dream. Yeah. And we can work remote and it didn't interfere with any of our work. So 
and we had planned to, to like take a little bit of time off. So we start driving and I remember the car, it's like 8.30 on Friday morning and we're in our parking lot and the car is packed to the brim with audio equipment and my weight set and just all the things that we needed for to live somewhere comfortably for the month. So, but I remember pulling out and the guard rail was coming up because it's a street entrance. And as this like guard is coming up to let us out of the parking lot, I remember turning to you and being like, no matter what happens, I still love you and we will get through it. Hit immediate traffic. And the only traffic that we really had was getting Wait, out of Brooklyn. Before before we get into that whole thing, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Were you were you worried? Like were you no. worried that this would be detrimental or to use an Adrian Bain vocab word, deleterious mm. to our relationship? No, because previously I always had this mantra of like, oh, travel is the truest test of a relationship. I had been next to you for almost an entire year. Right. We did survive a pandemic together. And we're still in it. And <laughs> We are in the process of, knock on wood, surviving a pandemic together. And I didn't have any fear, but at the same time, like, my old motto is that travel is the truest test of a relationship until I quarantined with someone. And I think that that was the truest test of a relationship because I had been next to you for almost an entire year like we celebrated our one year of in quarantine together in Arizona so I didn't have any worries but I also have done this so much more and I knew how to handle myself and like the thing with travel is like the moment you leave your house and you set on going to somewhere else the world is just going to throw a series of obstacles that you cannot anticipate. And you have to learn how to be very patient throughout all of them. And I had faith that like we would be pretty chill and optimistic, but you never know. Like I didn't know that if someone came up to you and said something to you that it would set you off or something, you know? So I wasn't worried, but it's it's like I couldn't cross it out. Do you know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. I'm asking because I'm realizing in this very moment as we're having this conversation that we didn't talk about it at all Mm -mm. before we left. We didn't talk at all about what kind of traveler are you? Like, I'm nervous about this. Are you worried about this? But what if this happens? We didn't have any conversations like that. It was purely and 100% excitement about we're going to go to Zion, Mm -hmm. we're going to go to Bryce, we're going to stop at this place and Mm -hmm. get tamales. Oh, there's crystal shops in Santa Fe. Oh my God, like Sam, maybe you you could get your bracelet there that you've always wanted. It was all that stuff. And so when you said that thing, right, as the garage door was coming up and we were about to set off, I remember feeling like that's the first moment you saying no matter what happens, I love you and we'll get through this together, was the first moment either of us had ever even talked about the idea that something bad might happen (laughs) or that there might be an incompatibility or something like that. Yeah. And I just think that's interesting that it didn't even occur to either of us because you have traveled much more than I have. Like you've seen much more of the world than I have. I've done a lot of traveling, but it's mostly been reporting trips for 
my podcast. So, and it's all been in the United States. Well, I went to Canada once, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all been very kind of purpose driven stuff. So it's not like traveling makes me nervous, but I'm still new to the idea of going somewhere and living for a month at a time or newer to it than you are. Yeah. And I wasn't really nervous either. The only thing, honestly, that I was nervous about the whole time on the way out was what if we get there? This is going to sound like a dumb example, but I have a reason for bringing it up. The only thing I was nervous about is what if we get to the house and the Wi-Fi isn't good, which I know... You've literally said that a million times. I know. But that was... I'm, I'm bringing that up because... That was the only real anxiety that I was feeling. I felt so confident that we were going to be fine. And not just fine, that we were going to thrive. We were going to have an awesome time. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know, that makes me happy to to think about. Totally. But I think that, like, you have no idea how you or your body is going to respond to a new environment, you know? And, Are like, you foreshadowing? We learned that pretty quickly because, like... There could have been, it could have, you know, there could have been a whole week where one of us got sick and the other, you, you know, like if someone gets sick, it's not like, oh, our personalities are incompatible. It's like our systems are incompatible with the mm-hmm. environment and you can't really control that. But it does put a damper on the trip and that's just completely out of our hands. Yeah. So we're like, one of us could have gotten COVID, knock on wood. And so... No, I didn't have any, but I just knew that that's like, it could happen, you Mm -hmm. know, like, so, but fortunately, like the American highway system, I think my biggest insecurity was like, oh, I hope I don't have to pee in front of Sam, like on the side of the road. But fortunately, like all of, yeah, totally. You were worried about that? Like a little bit. Less than your Wi-Fi worry, but it was there. Oh my God. Yeah. That's that, so funny. Well, just because, like, I don't want to have to pee on the side of the road. Like, just well, definitively. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And no thanks. But also. But also, all, all of the gas stations that we went to, like, the American highway system is so fucking efficient. And, like, there's always gas stations. And every single one of them was so clean. I was bemused by it. I was like, this is, I don't understand. Um, like, I had brought car toilet paper just, just in case. Yeah. I didn't even know that. It's still in there. <laughs> okay. That's so funny that you, that was the only thing you were anxious about. I wouldn't have minded that at I think all. the only thing, I know you wouldn't have minded it, but it's just like, uh, it's like I have a bladder the size of a chickpea and <laughs> I was just like really nervous that we'd have to stop and like pee all the time Uh so the trip from new york to arizona was relatively chill and there was a little bit of time where we we were a little nervous because we had a biden sticker on our blue subaru and a new york license plate and Mm -hmm. like we didn't know how we would be received and it was still two months after the election so there was only one time that we got anything like kind of weird and we pulled into a gas station in the middle of God only knows where Missouri, uh-huh. which felt like we were just 
Missouri, can I say, sneaky huge state. Sneaky huge. <laughs> That's so true. Sneaky huge. Do not recommend going from the northeast corner to the southwest corner. No. In one go. Oh my God. It was, it just like, it felt like the state was never ending. And so at some point it's like raining and we pull over to get gas. I go into the bathroom because I have bladder of a lima bean and I see this man walk out and he doesn't have a mask on, and I have my mask on, in, even though I'm, like, outside walking in. Oh, you saw him ahead of time? Yeah. And I was, like, he had, like, these overalls on, this, like, swarthy beard and, like, very salt and pepper. And I was, like, I do – he just had this look on his face of, like, come at me. And I was, like, I do not want to fuck with that dude. So I go into the bathroom. So if, if we're talking about the guy, I think we're talking about – We are. I'm standing next to our baby blue Subaru. Nickname Blueberry. And which Adrian Bain came up with. Credit where credit is Dubaru. And I have very, leave it, you have to leave it in. I, <laughs> I have, uh, for those uh, listening along at home, very long hair. I have, I have a, a bit of a COVID mane happening. It's like it's not very long, but it's like for where we were shaggier. It's yeah. not like you can't do a man bun, but it's long and your hair curls. You have like beautiful ringlets. Yeah, I have like uh yeah, I got I've like big like 70s hair. And so I'm st- and I have a mask on, so that makes the hair kind of like poof out a little bit more. So I'm standing there filling up the Subaru, and I was also wearing purple pants and <laughs> This guy. It was a dusty plum. It's a very classy color. Dusty plum. You didn't right. look like Barney. No, that's true. Yeah. They, and they're jeans, to be clear, not like sweatpants. So I'm standing there. I'm filling up the car. And this guy says to me, I don't remember him approaching me. I just remember feeling his gaze upon me. This is the man in the overalls. Adrian had seen coming out of the Quickie Mart or whatever. And I look up and he goes, Gas must be expensive there in New York City. Now, listener, I need you to understand something. There is no visual indication on our car that we're from New York City. It has New York State license plate. But apparently this guy saw my purple pants and my hair and decided that we were from New York City, which, accurate. But so I say... Uh, yeah, yeah. Although actually it's, it's more expensive here because that was true. And he goes, let me ask you a question. You heard about what your governor wants to do? And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Cause this was, I think it was before Cuomo, all the the sexual harassment stuff had come out about Cuomo and Cuomo was still in blue states, like broadly popular and known for how aggressively he had, you know, he was sort of like the voice of reason during COVID in a lot of people's minds or whatever. And Republicans hated him for that. So I was like, oh boy, here we go. So he goes, well, I hate to break it to you, but your governor's going to round y'all up and put you in camps and force you to get the vaccine. And I said, oh, I, I hadn't heard that because... In parentheses, that's not true. <laughs> um, but I don't want to get in a fight with this guy. So as he's telling me this, I 
am standing there and I'm like, I don't want to get into an argument with this guy. And also, he's not wearing a mask. And I'm already feeling, I don't know, I have some ambient guilt about the fact that we're taking this road trip in the middle of a pandemic, even though we're doing it in the most responsible way that I can think of. And we're we're stopping as few times as possible, but you have to stop to get gas. So I'm thinking like, just end this conversation cheap. Like just say whatever you have to do to get him to stop talking so he doesn't come over here. Like just get the gas in the car. Adrian will come back out and we're gone. So I say, nope, I hadn't heard that. And he says, well, I'll show you. I just want you to have the information. Let me get my phone. So I'm like, I don't. So I just kind of go like, I just kind of like make a noise. I can't stop filling up the car. So like, I'm like, I wish this gas would get in the car faster, you know. So he then comes over to me. And when I say he comes over to me, he gets as close to me as like a stranger with a mysterious secret. Like he gets in my grill and he is breathing on me and he's showing me his, he tries to hand me his phone and I like hide my free hand behind my back awkwardly. And my other one is on the gas tank. And he's like, watch this here video. I I saw it on the news. So he shows me his phone and what he means by the news is a TikTok video of some woman shakily holding a cell phone camera in front of a computer and what's on the computer screen is impossible to make out and saying, New York's going to put them in camps. And that's it. That's the news source that he has gotten this story from. So he looks at me and he's like, what do you think of that? And I go, I said something like, well, it's food for thought. You know, like, I don't know. Just get away from me, man. And he goes, listen, I'm not against people getting the vaccine. I just think it should be a choice. And of course, I want to say, like, that is not the correct framing. Like, you sh- there's no for or against the vaccine. You have to get the vaccine. It's for everybody's health, you monster. But I can't, I'm, not, I'm trying to end this conversation cheap, right? So, so I say like, yeah, okay. I, you know, it's so tempting to be like, well, I'll be getting the vaccine as soon as it's available. I think you can get it for free right now in Missouri. Please get it. Also put a fucking mask on. But I'm like, yeah, okay. So finally the gas tank goes like chunk. And I'm like, oh, thank God we're done here. And I'm like, well, and I see Adrian coming out of the, mini mart and i'm like well we'll be going now and he goes be safe out there put a seatbelt on i'm like oh yes you safety clearly a priority for you sir (laughs) and the thing is is like it's so easy to make fun of that story right like if anything that is the cliche that we want out of the midwest you know like missouri is that center it is dab smack middle of America. And I feel so conflicted about telling that story sometimes because like we are. I didn't exaggerate. I didn't exaggerate. You didn't any exaggerate of any of it. I I was horrified, honestly. I, I felt so it was just such a look. I think I was disappointed and gleeful at the same time because I know that it's a ridiculous story that we will tell until we die. 
But at the same time, I was like, this isn't funny. Like, this is actually why so many people have yeah gotten covid you know it's because they're not taking it seriously i maybe felt like a little sliver of that but honestly what i really felt was this guy endangered my life to make a point that is not based in anything true this guy came over and breathed on me when we're in the middle of a pandemic and you could have given me a deadly illness and you were doing it to make a point that is based on a fucking lie that is the result. Here I go, Adrian, get ready for it. That is result of the fragmentation of our media environment to the point that this guy believes that this shaky ass TikTok video that he just happened to see on his phone is the gospel truth about public health. That is outrageous and it is incredibly scary. I was horrified by it. I, and I was so sad. I was so sad because already the thing that I think is the hardest about the pandemic is that ordinarily I, like you, and presumably everybody listening to your show, believes that talking to and being in community with strangers is one of the best things about life. And it already is upsetting to me that I have to be skeptical of everybody that I interact with right now who I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or who isn't you, basically. <laughs> or, you know, a member of Should either of our families. Years, yeah. Well, that's for other reasons. It already kills me that we have to cut off that part of ourselves right now. The part of ourselves that wants to reach out and to make connection. Mm-hmm. And that ordinarily wouldn't mind getting into a conversation with this guy about why he thinks Cuomo wants to start, like, forced vaccination camps. But instead... I had to stand there like a prisoner. Like my option was either like wave a like leaky gas dispenser at this guy and be like, stay back. Yeah. <laughs> stay back, Missourian. Yeah, like a strange, greasy lightsaber. Yeah. Like my option is either to do that or to submit to his willful ignorance about a confirmed public health crisis it, it, it was upsetting. I'm still upset about it, apparently. <laughs> it wasn't like it just, it wasn't, it was, it was awful. It was just, and obviously, you know, it didn't have any, nobody got hurt, but it was just gross. Well, what does it feel like to know that you're both a representation of America? I mean, it is. I will say the the positive thing about it is that it's important to remind ourselves that no matter where we live, we live in an information bubble. And no matter how well-informed we think we are, I think I'm well-informed because I think I watch the real news and I think I am listening to, you know, the CDC or whatever. And I think that makes me and I listen to NPR reports and I think that makes me more informed. And he thinks the same thing, but he believes all the inverse of what I believe. And we both think we're right and that the other person is the one who is tragically cut off from the truth, man. And that is this country in a nutshell. So, I mean, it, and it's important to have those interactions to remember that the divide that gets talked about all the time in the real news 
is not a made up thing. It's it's it is real. So let's wrap it up with like one like lovely story of us not being harangued by strange men in gas stations and you passing out. It's like we did really have like a lovely time going to so many different hiking spots and just being in so much awe and wonder of such a completely different landscape. Like it is so different. And there were just so many moments when we were hiking around on the Arizona-Utah border and just thinking like, we are on another planet right now. You know, like. Yeah, it was amazing. It was so, it was so beautiful. But the big thing you really wanted to do was go to the Grand Canyon. Yes, I've always wanted to see the Grand Canyon. Why have you always wanted to see the Grand Canyon? Because it, it started after I saw the Badlands in South Dakota, mm. which was, happened in 2014, I think. And I don't know if anybody listening to this has seen the Badlands, probably, given your listeners. The Badlands are incredible. It's As far as the eye can see, it's these unbelievable rock formations that look... Like, they would make more sense on Mars than they do in the middle of the United States on planet Earth. It's ancient and spooky and sun-baked and just breathtaking. It's It makes you question your assumptions about, like, what the world looks like because there's this thing that looks unlike anything else, and it's here and you just drive up to it and it's there and then you're in the middle of it and then i remember thinking like well the the grand canyon is the part of the united states that is this but to the greatest extreme it's like our most famous landmark Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking like well i want to see it like i want to feel this feeling the biggest that it's possible to feel it in this country and so ever since that moment, I've just wanted to go. and I. But it's not easy to get there. And I just remember thinking, like, I need, I, I have to do it when I finish some big work milestone or, like, I, it needs to be a reward for something or something like that. And then when we were going to do this trip, we realized, like, well, we're going to be close to it, so we could just go. <laughs> well, I think we really prioritized you wanting to do this. Yeah, because you had been already. Because I had done it. And, and but I wanted a do-over because mm-hmm. I was an angsty, petulant teen. Yeah. And just was like, oh, a big hole, you know? So yeah. So we go and we had been hiking pretty consistently every weekend. So I feel like we really had our hiker's legs at that moment. Mm-hmm. And we had some sturdiest boots. Mm-hmm. And we did Bryce and Zion and all of these other, like, Grand Escalante. And so many little hikes in between. But we knew, we the night before in Flagstaff, we were at a craft brew place. And <laughs> we were, like, looking up, what can we do? What, what kind of hike do we want to do? And we were both like, let's break our bodies a little bit, which in hindsight, we definitely did. We didn't really, you know, like in I think hindsight, we, in our head, we turned it into way more intense than it was going to be. It, we totally did. So we go and we get up at like seven in the morning. But we also, we didn't want to do like the sampler, the like little free sample no. version of the Grand Canyon. We wanted yeah. to say we had really 
hiked into it and like felt it and yeah. we'd driven across the country to be there. We didn't just want to like stand at the rim and take a picture. We wanted to get in there. Get in it. Totally. So we did and we got in at seven in the morning. We got up at seven in the morning, drove an hour and a half, got in. We were really nervous that like Grand Canyon was limited capacity at this point. So, you know, we'd come all this way. Um, and so we get in, we get on the bus and we get dropped off at our point. And I remember when we were on the bus, there's a lot of pine trees around the Grand Canyon, which is kind of strange. Like you don't really expect there to be such like hardy, I guess you do kind of expect like there's these just very hardy Christmas trees like all around you. But there was one moment on the bus where all of the trees break and you see a second of it and you're like, holy shit. It's like when you see the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like the production design on the Grand Canyon is next level. High quality. Like best of the best. Because you drive hours and hours and hours and hours to get there and you don't see it at all on the drive. And at least we didn't. You And then even when you get, go through the gates to get into Grand Canyon National Park... You're like, where is this canyon that yeah. is supposedly so grand? Like, all I see is trees <laughs> yeah. and a bunch of people in cars. And that's true when you get to the parking lot. That's true when you get on the bus. Like, you're like, where is this thing? And then all of a sudden, there it is. It just opens up. So I just remember, like, my jaw dropping and it being so much. I know this is ridiculous, but it was just so much bigger than I remembered. And obviously, I was only looking at, like, an infinitesimally small section of it. And so we get out, and there's fucking swarms of people. Some ass, some not. And we hike down. And I had vague memories of this entry exit point from my trip when I was, like, 13. But, yeah, what did you – what was it like? Like, you fi- you were in it. You were finally in the Grand Canyon. It was extraordinary. It's – one of the three or four most beautiful things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. I'm the first. Right. right. Number one is Adrian. Number yeah. two is Machu Picchu. Number three is the Grand Canyon. Thanks, honey. And <laughs> we... Really, do you think Machu Picchu is more beautiful than Grand Canyon? Yes, because... Whoa. There's something about Machu Picchu that it's a combination of absolutely gobsmacking natural beauty combined with this mysterious ancient city that was built for reasons nobody really understands according and like nobody really knows how it got there or how they they, did it yeah it's like yeah and there's parts of, and you can still see evidence of how it worked and then all around you is the most majestic ancient crags that feel like they're watching over you. It's, I was in awe of the Grand Canyon. Like Machu Picchu is a religious experience. I agree with that. So that's why I rank it slightly ahead. Wow. Interesting. But I will say like, so we got to the point that we were like, this is a good stopping point. We had hiked about three miles at that point and definitely a space where fewer and fewer people were coming and so just tell me about like that, just sitting out and like having our little packed lunch and just staring out at it. Oh, you mean where we sat down and ate? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is one of my favorite memories of the whole trip is 
I had brought my journal, which you made fun of me for relentlessly. Yeah, because you always brought your journal. We never wrote in it. That's not true. I wrote in it at Bryce. Oh, yeah, you did. Okay. And so we were sitting there, and we ate our lunch, and I took it out. And what I was writing about was that I, the Grand Canyon is so endless and... I know I keep using this word, but like ancient, you're just looking at this vast landscape of stone that no person has ever touched. Like, or at least that's what it felt like to me in the moment. Maybe they have, but the high, high peaks of it. Like no one ever made, like no one made it. Yeah, but also nobody's ever, there's trails that you can walk on. Yeah. But but the walls and the cliffs and stuff, nothing has ever been there except birds or like a little lizard yeah or lizards but like unlike machu picchu nothing has ever touched it it's just this unbelievable universe that contains and this is the thing i was thinking about what does it contain like what am i looking at i know and what i ended up feeling i was looking at was time that's the only thing you can, in my mind, that you, I could conceive of. I'm looking at the unbelievable amount of time that these formations have been here that began untold centuries before I existed and will continue to be here untold centuries after I exist. And I am amazed by it. And I am, there is no, and I am of no significance to this place. And I, I just felt so grateful to be allowed to see something like that. And in the moment that I was thinking about that, you passed me an AirPod because you were listening to Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. And the chorus of the song that you were listening to when I, right when I put it in my ear was, Think of all the time, 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 time. Mm. That song breaks my heart. But, I mean, that was the most perfect, it was a perfect moment. I could not have asked for anything more from that experience. What do you think it would have felt like if you did it alone? Well, this is the thing, Adrian. I felt like we were really bonded to each other during that hike in the sense that I felt like we were sharing energy. I felt like we were gazing out in awe at everything that was around us. I felt like we were sharing in this sense of accomplishment that we had made it there, but we weren't talking very much. Not in a, we were mad at each other way or something like that, but just what do you say? When you're surrounded by something like that. There's nothing to say. You're just in it and appreciating it. And so because of that, there was a way in which I felt like we were sharing the experience, but we were also both in the midst of a very individual experience. And I also knew that you had been there before. And so like, you know, there was some difference there. And I just remember feeling like we're we're together in the eye of the hurricane in this moment, kind of like 
the world is in the midst of this historic spasm of crisis and we against all odds are here and so we were pretty quiet you know and and i was trying really hard to not think about you know we had told ourselves like at the end of this hike we're gonna go out for dinner and we're gonna get so much food because we will have hiked we've done like twenty thousand steps or whatever and like you know we're gonna reward ourselves and it was very tempting to think like oh my god like i'm gonna get mac and cheese with bacon or something you know and i'm gonna get a beer or like whatever but i didn't i just felt so present and honest this is gonna be sound weird and i don't know if i'm gonna be able to express it well but what i felt really appreciative of in terms of you and i in that moment was that I did not feel like I needed you to reassure me that you love me and our relationship is going well. And I didn't feel like you needed me to do that for you. I felt like so confident and serene in the fact that our relationship is at a place where we can go to an environment that majestic and just open ourselves up to it completely and trust that our bond is going to be there in the midst of all of it and that afterwards we'll be able to share in everything that we experience but that we don't need to be I didn't need you to look at me while we were on the hike and say like, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. And I didn't, you didn't need me to be like, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're doing this. Like we just trusted in ourselves to really soak it up. And to me, I don't know, there was something about you passing me the AirPod that was just such an illustration of that. Like, it was like you were saying like, I know, I know it's that good. I'm so grateful that we shared it. I am too. But you know what I mean? Like there are sometimes in relationships, not ours, but other relationships that I've been in, where you go, you do some big thing, whether it's go to a landmark or hit some milestone or something. And it's like you have to talk about it to make it feel like you think it's supposed to feel. And we did not do that. We didn't have to do that because it just was. Mm. And that's the best. Yeah. But I feel like it's a test that we passed with flying colors. Mm. Thanks, honey. Would you go on a road trip with me again? Yeah, let's go tomorrow. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Drive me down to Argentina. Okay. Okay. We got to teach you how to drive the car, though. I love you too. This episode was recorded, edited, written, thought of, created, produced, soundscaped, and edited again by me, Adrian Bain. If you liked the show, 
I would love it if you could rate and review. Until then, keep traveling. Thank you. Great job. Amazing dinosaur performance. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Actually majored in dinosaurs at Swarthmore College. (laughs) Just dinosaurs? Not like paleontology? No, just dinosaurs. (laughs) Our first unit was the real big ones. (laughs) Then we did a unit on the medium-sized ones. The little babies. Then the little babies. (laughs) Then we did one on the ones that eat plants. Mm -hmm. Then we did one on the ones that eat other dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. What about... Then we did one called, (laughs) whoa-oh, here comes a big hot rock. (laughs) What? And that that was the end of the major. Wait, you know that there are um, The dinosaurs knew what the big hot rock was. Wait, wait, wait. Conspiracy theory idea? Do you think the dinosaurs knew that the asteroid was coming? I know that they did. Because I studied it in college. Whoa. Tell me about it. Because you had meteors. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You had meat eaters. And it was called a meteor. So (laughs) by dint of their diet, they could sense that eventually something was coming for them. But just the meat eaters? Yeah. Plant eaters, blissfully unaware. Yeah. And they went out happy because it Mm -hmm. is the awareness of death. That makes us fear it. Oh my god. <laughs> You're putting this in the episode, right? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe we'll put it at like the very end. Okay. Um Great. Thank you, honey. That's all. That's it? Yeah. How'd I do? Um Oscar. Is Golden Globe T V and film? Yeah. Hmm. I'll give you whatever the French equivalent of the Oscars are. So you're saying French cinema is less than American cinema? Yeah. Cool. Don't you have French listeners? Absolutely. Oh, I'm cutting this.